And Dr. Andrew Corbett has just stepped into the studio for another uh, discussion on this Wednesday. Hello, Andrew. How are you? Good morning, Cameron. Great to be with you again. Once again, uh, it's great to have you along on a lovely looking uh, Wednesday morning. The weather's getting better and yes. better and better. Indeed. Cameron, it's uh, absolutely delightful time of year for those who are considering coming to Tasmania, who may be listening on the on, on our Street, live streaming, yes. uh, we have listeners all over the world. What a great time of year to mm. leave the Northern Hemisphere, which is getting colder, and mm. come to Tasmania, which is getting more and more delightful. Very slowly but surely, yes. It, it, it's uh, slowly but surely, absolutely, yes. Cameron. It's, but it's magnificent today. Just blue skies, mm. not a cloud in the sky. Nope. Lovely. We're looking Perfect. out the window here and it's just lovely. Isn't it a lovely. picture, just this studio, when it it's is, like this? It is. They're looking at the gum trees yeah. and the blue skies and we're just near yes. uh, Lake Trevallon and uh, just not too far away from Cataract Gorge. And it is. It is just delightful. So it's really, really mm. beautiful. Okay, well, today on the program, we're on the discussion of something which is always very popular amongst many people. Different tastes, though, within it, though. We're mm. all talking about movies. Movies, yeah. We, we've probably all seen a movie. We all have an opinion yes. about a movie. <laughs> we all will, at some stage in the future, probably see a movie. Movies are a major part of our lives. They also are a major part of culture, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in a moment. But here's some interesting facts about movies, Cameron. When we're talking about what what contribution movies make to an economy, this is mm. I thought some of these these uh, figures were really interesting. To the Australian economy, the uh, film and television industry contributes annually six point one billion dollars. That's wow. That's pretty amazing. Six point yes. one billion dollars contributed annually to the economy. That's the Australian film television industry. In the UK, their film and television industry contributes 4.6 billion pound. So what are we, times that by two and a half or so. So that's uh, times two, nine, so about 10, 10 or so billion dollars uh, to the UK film uh, to the UK economy, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. through television and film. Also associated with that, they they report that there are 35,000 people in the UK who are employed directly through film and television. That's mm. a lot of people. Oh, yeah, Whew, absolutely. And they say that indirectly it totals 95,000 people. So uh, 11, 12 11 billion dollars or so contributed to the British economy through film and television that that's that's pretty amazing mm. of course we would you know if we were to think of the biggest film industry in the world we would probably be forgiven for thinking that it was Hollywood that that the American television and film industry uh, would be one of the biggest in the world and arguably it is although the data is is pointing somewhere else at the moment. But the American U.S. film industry, so this is just film, so we can t add into this uh, a sizable proportion of television, but the U.S. film industry contributes $11 billion annually to the U.S. economy. Uh, that's, that's a lot of money, Cameron. <laughs> that's mm, that yes. absolutely huge. 
And Cameron, if I was to ask you which is the biggest film industry in the world, the answer would be? Hollywood. Mm, it doesn't start with H, it starts with B. B. BBC? Bollywood. Bollywood. Oh, it's Bollywood. Yes, of Bollywood. course it is. Yeah, the, the, yes. the Indian film and television Yes, it would industry. be big by now. It is huge. Yes. It is huge. Now, this is on the heels of... when If you go to Wikipedia and have a look at what it says about the US film industry, they actually map out the, the revenue stream... Um, to um, uh, they, 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 they map it out from something like 1925 mm-hmm. through to 2012 and, and what you can see there is that from 2000, uh, uh, 1925 you, you scale down to uh, the modern day and you can see it's basically grown by about a billion dollars or so every five oh, yeah. years or so yeah. so you can see that, that it started off at around a billion dollars in 1925 and it's now sort of progressively made its way up to about 11 or so billion dollars. But the Indian film industry, gen- generally known as Bollywood, <laughs> doesn't have a, the long history of Hollywood. It, no. it, it can't trace its filmmaking history back to 1925, and it certainly can't track the revenue stream that Hollywood has had. So in other words, this, is, this has been a relatively meteoric rise mm. over the last couple of decades the the bollywood film industry has just gone gangbusters oh yeah so it it's huge. it's currently around 13 billion us dollars annually to the indian economy which arguably would make it one of the leading economic drivers in in india now what what is also interesting from these figures so here we are talking about movies Cameron but but everyone knows movies is you know for the consumer's point of view movies are about the the latest um, uh, you know the latest story the latest plot the latest movie um, how do they do that the 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 CGI what special effects did they use all this kind of stuff but from the other side of the camera movies are about bucks they're about, they're about mm. it's about the dollars it's about yes. the money and this this is something that perhaps we in Tasmania because I'm I'm thinking also economically here we in Tasmania probably need to uh, wake up to a little bit that the whole film television entertainment digital entertainment industry is something that um, we have not really begun to exploit there's some mm. there's some really good film television producers coming out of Tasmania. Uh, there's some young filmmakers who are really greasing the cogs of their filmmaking skills through producing things like thirty second television commercials and things like that. There's um, some Facebook groups that are encouraging Tasmanian filmmakers. But here's the interesting thing, Cameron. <clears throat> We're talking nationally of a, a 6.5 billion dollar industry what do you think Tasmania's cut of that would be well the mm, New South Wales cut of the annual film television industry to the New South Wales economy is 1.5 billion dollars a year 1.5 billion dollars a year so what's the Tasmanian cut the Tasmanian cut is 49 million dollars yeah 49 million now, even if we, we said, okay, well, you know, essentially six states, 
in Australia. Let's divvy it up. Yeah, New South Wales bigger. So they'll have a slightly bigger proportion of one-sixth of the national pie, which is about right, $1.5 billion. And Tasmania would have a slightly lesser proportion of the $6 billion annual contribution to the economy. That would, that would mean Tasmania would have a, you know, a, a television film industry that potentially could be worth seven to $800 million a year. But at the moment, Cameron, it's $49 million a year. So here's one of, the, one of the points that I want to make to entrepreneurs. Now, I know not everybody's an entrepreneur. I know that not everybody's a creative person. But on behalf of the Tasmanian economy, would you, would you please get going? <laughs> would you please, would you please step up and let's do what we've got to do? Now, yeah. we, we, I know that there are people saying, look, I've tried to get my project off the ground. I can't do it. Well, Cameron, I, I think we, we need to stop thinking in terms of um, old school funding. We need to begin to think in terms of new era funding. The rest of the world's doing it. We need to do it if we've got rubbish scripts and rubbish um, production methods. Well, let's let's upskill. Let's get let's get this yeah. thing happening. Because I because Cameron, it should be immediately obvious to people, even hearing this morning that the the Tasmanian tourist industry is is suffering a sixteen percent drop or whatever I heard on the state news just a moment ago. Well, we we've, we 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 have this phenomena that the the UK film industry says of the thirty five thousand people who are directly employed through film and television, ninety five thousand people are indirectly employed, and and they say we're not even counting the tourist value. So in other words, when a British film is made, they know that it has tourist value. They know that there are people that want to come to see. You know, they want to come and see the the London Eye. You know that great big wheel yes. right right on the Thames. Yes, they because they they saw it in James Bond, or they they, they saw it. You know, and it, I saw it in Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Oh, there yes. you go. So there's there is a, a tourist value. So yeah. you are talking about the Tasmanian tourist industry is suffering. Mm-hmm. Well, the Tasmanian tourist industry would do well to encourage Tasmanian filmmakers. Yes, because if we can start to export Tasmanian television and Tasmanian film, then we could be tapping into one of the most un, untapped into uh, sources of revenue Absol- stream for our economy. Absolutely. So yeah. Cameron, after the song, let's come back and let's start to talk about movies and let's let's talk about it from from the other side of the, the camera, not, not from behind the camera, but let's start to look at how we can actually watch a movie and do it perhaps in a little bit more of an informed way. Sounds good. We'll be back with Dr. Andrew Corbett uh, very, very soon. We're going to hear a song in a moment uh, from a, a group called Hothouse Flowers from the 90s with a song, indeed, simply called Movies. Yeah, that's a song called Movies from the group Hothouse Flowers. They come from Ireland, I believe, and they released one album back in the 90s called Home. And uh, that's a song, one of the singles released off that album. We are indeed talking about movies today and um, with Dr. Andrew Corbett, of course. As always, uh, he comes in and has a weekly discussion on things that uh, are meaningful and impacting and truthful, sometimes controversial, but uh, and we like to have a good laugh as well. And uh, movies have the power to make certain non-believable things believable. Yeah, it's the the power of a movie is that it can take things that you ordinarily w- wouldn't accept 
and they can make them both acceptable and believable. Mm. And, of course, that can be used for good or for bad, that that the idea that certain things in the real world are unacceptable, but in movie world, so no reference to the Warner Brothers movie world, <laughs> but in... No, that, 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 all that is real. <laughs> oh, sure, of course. But in, in a movie, certain things that... In, in general everyday life are unacceptable they they can make acceptable and mm. it, what what the challenge is for people is to figure out where and how you you distinguish the the, the where that line is mm. so that when you leave this the theater you leave the cinema you understand that the world that you were just in for a few minutes is not the world you're now entering into. In other words, there are certain things that Hollywood, I'll use the term Hollywood generically for all film industries, makes to look not only acceptable, not only believable, but but almost necessary, almost right. So, for example, there can be the promotion of certain choices that people make um, for example uh, who's not seen million dollar baby and thought that the actor uh, Clint Eastwood who's playing the the uh, boxing coach wasn't a compassionate caring man because he took a course of action that in the real world is is actually illegal and he could have been jailed for it but in the movie they present it as a a very reasonable right mm. even a compassionate thing to do so I, I think we we need to be careful when we're watching movies that we're not lured into the values of the the movie and this is where we also need to understand Cameron that that movies both reflect aspects of cultural values but they also create yes cultural oh, they do values they do and it's amazing that, that what we do believe from the the media in general and that's where movies come from sure so we we need to appreciate that mm. there are certain cultural values mm. that are being created by film and television producers there's a, a program coming up unfortunately again i think it's on uh, Southern Cross Television, which is, um, <laughs> I've I've already aired some of my concerns to Southern Cross Television about one of the programs that they're showing that mocks uh, Christian women, uh, which they they changed the name to GCB, which I think is incredibly offensive. But there's another program which they're now about to air called The New Normal. And look, if you can't see the agenda in that television program you probably need to go back to agenda school because it's a very blatant agenda but it's and it's creating new cultural values Cameron after the news let's continue this let's talk about how we can actually watch a movie so that we can pick agenda and we can see the values being promoted in movies that are coming on the big screen. Thanks for tuning in this morning. We're uh, in the middle of our weekly conversation with uh, Dr. Andrew Corbett, and today we're on the subject of movies. Cameron, what's your favourite movie? The Green Mile. The Green Mile, well, and that lead actor just died uh, about a month ago, didn't he? Yes, that's right, yeah. Which is uh, 
uh, I suppose, a life illustration to young people to be careful about what steroids you put into your body. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, there you go. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, Cameron, we've probably all got a favourite movie or we've got a list of favourite movies. Yeah. When yeah. I posed this question on Facebook early this morning, uh, Jennifer uh, responded. Let's have a look here. She, she was talking about a movie that she saw recently uh, what's it called? Amish Grace. She's posted on here. So Amish Grace is the is the retelling of the true story of a man who came into the Amish community oh, probably ten years ago or so, and took a took a, uh, a semi-automatic rifle, I think it was, and killed a a, a classroom of children, and then mm. committed suicide himself. And the story tells of how the Amish community gathered around this man's wife and basically took her into their community and cared for her. And it's an amazing story. So Amish Grace, so that, that comes highly recommended by um, Jennifer and Katie, by the look of it. So we've got uh, that, that movie recommended as well. Uh, one of my favourite movies, and I have watched it many, many times, is the, the latest um, incarnation of Superman. Okay. And it it was I'm I'm a bit of a Superman fan. I grew up coming home from school with uh, was it George George Reeves? I think it was George Reeves. Yes, the old black and white weekly TV series of Superman. Oh, I, was, I thought this was great, fantastic. And then, of course, when uh, Christopher Reeve played Superman, I, I loved all those movies as well. And then. The latest one it didn't, unfortunately for me, it didn't do that well at the box office. It only made three or four hundred million dollars, which apparently in today's money is just is bomb, not, is, is not yeah. enough, you yeah. know. So they didn't remake the next one, which is a tragic shame for me because I thought the the, the actor who played that Superman was perfect. He just did it brilliantly, and he exhibited certain moral attributes that Christopher Reeve certainly didn't uh, portray and they showed aspects to the weaker side of him and uh, look I, I just thought it was done exceptionally well and, it, and and that point about taking unbelievable things and making them believable here's a man who can fly uh, Cameron um, don't tell anyone but I remember watching the, the Superman TV series yes. as a five year old Putting the towel in the back of the shirt, <laughs> jump, you know, getting on top of the garage and jumping off, hoping that it would work. <laughs> uh, it <No>. didn't. Um, <laughs> nice try. But and as and as as you know, laughable as that sounds, there have been people who have done far worse things based on Superman. Yeah. In fact, George Reeve himself jumped off a building, I believe, and committed suicide. And th this is the tragedy of how certain unbelievable things become believable on the screen mm. and some people can't translate that into no, right. real life mm. so that's that's the tragedy of it and of course that that becomes really concerning for me when it's things like moral values where mm. you have promiscuity that is promoted as loving and kind and fun and hip and you know uh, it, it presents the word love in a very 
physical, lustful way, and I think that is unfair because I don't think love is supposed to look like that at all. So, movie makers, Cameron, take advantage of the fact that they know their movies will not only entertain, but enter train. In other words, they will enter people into training to think in a certain way. And so we often talk about going to the movies to be entertained when in fact we're being enter, entered into training, entertained. And and we find certain movies amusing. Now, there are some movies, Cameron, I got to admit, I just find completely dumb. They they may be, you know, over the top comedies. They they're just there's not a whole lot of point to it. There's not a serious mm. note to it. Well, we think there's not a serious note to it. And, but at the end of the movie, uh, people have had a really good laugh and they've been, the word is, amused. Well, that word amused is an interesting word because the word muse means to think. Yes. When you put the, the letter A in front of a word, it means not or no. So, for example, the word theist, and you put A in front of it, atheist, no God. They believe there is no God. So when you have a word like muse, which means to think, and you put the letter A in front of it, amuse to be amused means that you are not thinking oh is that what queen victoria meant all those years ago we, we are, are not, not amused, amused. <laughs> <laughs> so i think i think as i muse on this cameron that we probably do need to muse rather than be amused about some of the movies that we go to see now if I don't want people to think that I'm saying don't go and just enjoy a movie for the sake that it's, you know, good fun and, you know, it's a little bit of nonsense and silliness and it's a bit of an escape from the the, the, the drudge of serious living and, you know, okay, that has its place. That's fine. But if that's all we ever do and we don't ever muse on what we are being shown, muse on the values being portrayed on the screen, then I... I muse, I think, that we're probably not doing ourselves justice. We we do need to think about some of the things that were being shown. So, for example, a movie like Avatar, was there a message in the movie Avatar? That, that movie, I understand, is the biggest, biggest movie in movie history. Mm. It, mm. it grossed more revenue than any other movie mm. ever. Okay. I heard that, yeah. Okay, so the question we have is, was it just a fun story, sort of science fiction, arguably, arguably a love story, or was there, was there a, a bigger message behind that movie? And, and if there was, how many people picked up the message that in the movie Avatar, there's actually... A very clear agenda that the director or producer of the movie has and <clears throat> that that is consistently presented throughout the whole story and essentially it's it's called new age religion it's the it's it's the idea of, of a, a new age religion which new age religion promotes the idea that God is impersonal God is in the flowers the trees the birds the animals the insects the water the and, and so on we we know that that theologians refer to that new age hmm. uh, religion as pan, which means across and in pan uh, pan 
pantheism. Pantheism. Yes. So the idea that yes. God is in everything is called pantheism. And the movie Avatar clearly presents pantheism. In fact, there are some New Age religions where they actually portray the god of pantheism uh, as being a blue god. They actually paint, present statues of this pantheistic god being a blue being. Well, if you can remember the movie Avatar, Cameron, what what colour were the aliens? They They were blue. blue. And that was no accident. That was done very, very deliberately. Very deliberately. Very intentionally. In New Age religion, there's a whole bunch of contradictions which they don't seem to have a problem with. They actually think that two uh, equally opposite things about the same thing can both be true at the same time. Now, of course, in the real world, that's utter nonsense. Um, Two things uh, that contradict each other about the same set of facts cannot both be true. One of them uh, may be true, but both of them may be wrong but they both cannot be true about the same thing at the same time if they contradict but in the movie avatar it's it's filled with these kinds of contradictory values Mm. so for example the female lead character uh kills a wolf-like creature and says this little prayer about you know it wasn't your fault um all life flows through you because all life is precious and I'm sorry my brother for what I've done something like that was the essence of what she said but then later on in the movie she's killing human beings because they're nasty and they deserve to die like well hang on there's a major contradiction here about the values of all life Mm. is precious like she said at the start of the movie and and then this so and yet people went and watched this and was like there's a there's there's an unconscious uh, amusement happening here, but a message being delivered at the same time, and that's where, when you watch a movie, there's a couple of questions that I would ask, and in fact, my my kids are used to this now. If I take my children to watch a movie, we'll come out from that movie, and we'll talk about it. We'll talk about now. What what do you think? What do you think this movie was about? What what do you, could you see any agenda here? Could you see a message beyond the story? Can you pick it? And this is where you begin to realise that skilled movie makers embed a message inconspicuously into their films. They'll they'll even adjust the writer's script to do it. So, Cameron, one of my favourite movie series, and, and tragically Disney decided to not produce anymore, was the Chronicles of Narnia series. I say tragically because they had they had a very small window of opportunity where the children were at a certain age to produce the other series um, in the Chronicles of Narnia, and they they said they they weren't prepared to do it. Now I find that bewildering, considering it did so well at the box office, yet they they just said we don't think that success will continue. That that's pretty bewildering. Mm, mm-hmm. Now in the movie Prince Caspian, which was the latest instalment in the Narnia series, the director actually changed one of the most pivotal lines in the C.S. Lewis script. And it, it, it has huge ramifications. And I'm told that when C.S. Lewis's stepson, Douglas Gresham, was negotiating with Disney 
over the production of this movie, there was a whole bunch of other things they wanted to change. And he fought pretty hard to, to keep as close to the original script of his um, stepdad as possible. But there was one that he, he lost the fight on, and that was this, where Lucy uh, says to Aslan, what would have happened if I had essentially obeyed you or followed you when you first summoned me? C.S. Lewis records Aslan saying this, you will never know. Mm. The movie directors change that to we will never know, as if Aslan, who represents Christ, God, is also ignorant. He doesn't know everything. That's a huge, huge statement Mm. that the directors are making about God. So we we need to watch these movies. and If you're familiar with the books that the movies are often based on, you'll pick up subtle changes that directors have deliberately, intentionally massaged, manipulated, Mm. even outright changed to suit their agenda rather than the original writer's agenda. So Cameron, after the next song, how about we come back and we, we sort of give some ideas on how you can help your children to better discern what's actually going on in some of these movies. Excellent. All right, we'll be back in a moment. But right now, here's a bit of a novelty song about the movies from The Drifters. It's The Drifters uh, with a song called Saturday Night at the Movies. I thought that uh, fitted in nicely with uh, the subject of movies this morning. It is though, It is amazing, though, how... Um, our minds once we read a movie we actually or we read a movie we watch a movie and um, we tend to believe what it is saying um, and how that can impact society it's just incredible isn't it yeah it is and uh, again um, if we were to talk about favourite movies and, and ask the question why they are favourite movies I I like I actually like um, those ones that require a little bit of thought and a little bit of heroism. I love hero movies. Um, The Bourne trilogy, I loved The Bourne Identity. I thought that was just brilliant where there's a sense of justice in the hero and then it continues on where ultimately um, Bourne Ultimatum, Bourne, Bourne Supremacy and it kind of wrapped it up and then they come out with the born legacy and it's just nonsense <laughs> just nonsense and it makes a mockery of the the other the logical conclusion of the other story and it's just just silly just silly and that's where Cameron I think we 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 all resonate with certain movies like the taken the movie with Liam Neeson I mean why anybody would want to mess with Liam Neeson is beyond me I mean here's a guy who played Zeus you know he he, kind of rips people apart in every movie I saw Into the Grey I think it was called or The Grey where he's a security guard in um, uh, the Arctic Circle and he barehandedly kills a pack of wolves and, and now in Taken 2 they're going to mess with his family. I'm thinking, didn't you guys see this guy in any movies? I mean, why would you want to mess with this guy? So there's there's some really good movies out there that I, I've really warmed to, but then they try and make a sequel and I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to go and see Taken 2 fairly soon, but I'm doing it apprehensively because I, 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 I love the Taken movies so much. I, I don't want to be disappointed by Taken 2. But anyway... We, we resonate with stories that have a formula and every 
good Hollywood producer, Hollywood director, understands the formula. There is a formula for making movies. So Cameron, if you think about the movies that you, that if we were to ask people, what is it, that, you know, what's your favorite movie? People will, get, well, people will vote with their feet. So in other words, what are the favorite movies of all time? Uh, we've got Avatar, yep. uh, Titanic, that movie, the Titanic, which I actually haven't seen with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. I didn't go to see it because I actually know how it goes. <laughs> uh, of course you do. <laughs> I knew, of course I knew you how do. it would end. <laughs> and it's a sad story. There's another. Yes. There's a story that has not been... There's a movie that should be made about Titanic that has not been made. And it's the story of the pastor that was, that was coming over from Scotland to Chicago on the Titanic yeah. to take up the pastorate of Moody... Uh, Moody Bible Church in Chicago, or Moody, what do they call it? Moody Church, whatever it is. And he was renowned as as one of the, the the most eminent preachers on the planet. And to take up the prestigious pulpit of Moody, you would have to be. And on the Titanic, he he was a widow or widower, and his uh, daughter was accompanying him as they were going to settle in America. And they got hit, and he made sure that his daughter got in, got in a lifeboat while he went up and down the deck encouraging people who did not know Christ to get into a lifeboat. He would ask the question, are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord? And if people said no, he said, then you'd better get in a lifeboat so that you get the chance to. And then when the ship went down, he was in the water going up to people who were also bobbing up and down in the water and asking the same question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And for those people that said no, they didn't, he did all he could to lift them into a lifeboat. And eventually he lifted a person in and he sank to his death. That's an amazing story. And I've never seen that in any of the tellings of the Titanic. But the Titanic... Was, is one of the all-time blockbuster movies. The the movie Gone with the Wind. Yes. And there's an, the, one of the, the biggest movies of the 20th century, and it's still popular today, made by Cecil B. DeMille, starring Charlton Heston, is the movie Ben-Hur. Her. It was ben on Her. my lips, yep. Yeah. Definitely. I'm fairly sure it's, it's one of the highest-grossing movies of all time. Mm. Um, if not in dollar value, certainly in views easily probably in views people who've actually seen it so when we look at each of these really big movies and if we were to look at the movies that are popular now we can actually identify some themes and and see if you can you know resonate with these Cameron even the Green Mile that they all have a, a redemptive element to it in other yes. words there's a there's a there's um, bad is turned into good in other words, something bad happens, but something happens to yeah. make that bad good, to give that bad some sense of meaning and purpose. Clearly, in the Green Mile, that's the case where you have that guy who's been jailed. Um, arguably, he's innocent, and and from jail, he's able to save the lives of some pretty important people. And it and it kind of you know Stephen King points out that. Because this man is in jail, it looks bad, but in fact it's actually turned out to be really, really good. Yeah, so yeah. it's an interesting plot. Gone with the Wind. It's a story, kind of a story, based on um, Scarlett O'Hara and Rhett 
butler. So it's kind of a love story, but it's a love story that kind of goes good, bad, good, bad. It's mm-hmm. a weird yes. story. Yes. But it has a redemptive element. And the final statement in that movie is redemptive, you know, um, as she looks at the house, which uh, escapes my memory, the name of the house. But she she makes this comment, you know, it, we will rebuild, you know, it will be rebuilt, we'll, we'll build it again. So there's a redemptive statement right at the end of the movie. Clearly in Ben-Hur, there's a redemptive story happening here. We've got a character whose life has gone horrible, but something happens and his life becomes full of meaning, purpose and good. Uh, the Titanic obviously is told from the story, the perspective of the woman who survived. So there's a, a redemptive element there. What do all of these movies have in common? Whether you identify the themes in these movies as um, love, um, a hero, or a happy ending, they all, Cameron, all of these stories follow the biblical story of redemption. It is a pattern that Hollywood producers know and they copy. Now, it's interesting on the UCB news we just heard before, Cameron, that Hollywood are picking up on the fact mm. that they can't outdo biblical stories and they're going to pour literally billions of dollars over the next decade or so into producing some blockbuster biblical movies. Because if you think about it, Cameron, if some of the stories of the Bible were made in a film, they would not be suitable for children. No. Well, Passion of the Cross was an Passion example of, the Christ, of that. Uh, exactly. Even but the story of Moses was, was the same. You have got, if you, if you think about making the life of King David into a movie, you've got adultery, uh, yeah, murder, yes. incest, you've got all kinds a of lot. themes that yeah. you just would not want children to be familiar with. Now, this may cause some people to go, really, that's in the Bible? Better go and have a look at that. <laughs> and, and I hope you do. I hope you yeah. do. But the story, the story that we have resonating in our soul as we make this kind of our concluding comment here is, and I think it's important for parents when they watch movies with children, they ask these questions. What do you think was going on here? When this person made this choice, this decision, is that something that is actually a good decision? Has the filmmaker tried to present something that is really not good as if it was good Mm. and to be able to help your children to come away from movies understanding what's going on here beyond what the movie makers try to amuse you with but to also recognize that the really good movies they follow the same pattern and the pattern can be simply reduced to this good bit bad bit good bit or good bit bad bit hero good bit and movies with a hero do really well and the hero could be a hero of love. Hero could be a hero of daring and courage. All of those aspects represent the biblical story of redemption. God created and it was good. Yep, Mankind absolutely. rebelled and bad yes, came in. Yes. A hero stepped center stage. His name was Jesus. Jesus, his life is a story. His life starts off wonderful. Christmas, the, the birth of a baby, it's good. Then his life becomes bad where he's rejected by men and eventually crucified but from that it's redeemed and three days later he rises again from the dead and there's the good bit and the bible follows Mm. the same pattern Mm. god created good mankind went bad hero steps up it kind of went bad but then it ends up good and ultimately it will end up good and we call that a happy Ending. We do, and they all lived happily ever after. And that's how that's the Bible true. ends. If you yes. read the, the, the Revelation that's 22, 21, you'll see the happy ending right there. Absolutely. For those that love God and are prepared to follow him. 
So when you identify the pattern, you can see that movie makers are following that pattern, Cameron, and you can watch movies through a different filter and help your there children you to see the message behind the movies. Cameron, awesome. we'll be back next week. Indeed. That's great. Thank you, Dr. Andrew Corbett. He'll be back next week, as he just said, and tomorrow night with Finding Truth Matters. You're on YFM. It's 9.32. And, uh, of course, uh, this uh, discussion will be uploaded onto our website for you to download uh, later on this morning. It's, uh, yeah, a song now from um, Big Runga.